Welcome to Simply Living Wellness, where you'll learn how to love yourself, heal yourself, and how to nurture your mind, body, and spirit. So today, we're here to talk with Barbara Mariano, otherwise known as the Animal Whisperer, about animal intuition and telepathic communication with animals. So if you're having any behavioral issues with any of your pets, or you would like to communicate with your pets, then this is the episode for you. Barbara has worked with animals for over 30 years. She was born with a gift called intuition, which is really just saying she was born knowing things. And that knowing includes a deep connection to animals and nature. Barbara is a healer, a mentor, counselor, life coach, animal intuitive, medium, storyteller, Reiki teacher, and practitioner, and a psychic. So as you can imagine, not only does she work with animals, but also with people. Her certifications are endless. You can read more about her background on her website, which is barbaramariano.com. But before we bring on Barbara, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by healthandyoga.com, which is a complete yoga resource website that has just about everything you ever wanted to know about yoga. You'll find yoga communities in your area, courses, trainings, very cool and unique wellness products. And my very favorite area of the site is the retreats page, where you're going to find amazing retreats and workshops offered all over the world. So just visit healthandyoga.com, and when doing your checkout, use the discount code DAWN3958 for a 5% discount on any purchase. Once again, that is healthandyoga.com, and the discount code is DAWN3958. So now, on to today's episode And I'm thrilled to welcome Barbara Mariano to the show. So hello, Barbara. Well, hi, everybody. I'm really delighted to be here, Donna. Thank you. Well, so nice to have you, Barbara. I know we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and we're finally doing it. Very excited. (laughs) Me too. So why don't you just start, uh, Barbara, by just telling us a little bit about your background and... um, I know that you've had this intuition since a very young age. So just tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up and how you how that led to this kind of work that you do. Thank you, Donna. Well, you know, um, as a kid, young child, really, I didn't know that I had intuition. This was a discovery made later on when I heard the word intuition or psychic. But I was born this way. So as a young child, I felt super sensitive when it came to, oh, someone getting hurt, an animal, especially animals. If I found one that had been run over on the road, uh, I would cry. I would feel terrible. I would have to bury them if I could. And and I was a super sensitive kid. And I remember my mother saying, I think you're the princess with the pea, which is an old, old fable where the princess, uh, they had to give her like 10 mattresses. She could still feel something because she was so darn sensitive. But 
they really just called her spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that story. I remember. Actually, I think, wasn't it that they, in order to uh, determine if the potential bride for their prince what was a real princess, they they put the pee under all those mattresses to <laughs> yeah. see if she could feel it or something. I don't know. We'll have to go back and read that story. I guess so. <laughs> so that's how it started out. And I grew up in a family where there was a lot of discord. So the animals became my best friends. And we had a dog named Laddie. I think I was about five when we got Laddie. He was a thoroughbred collie who was the runt of the litter or the owners never would have given him away. But he became my best friend growing up. And um, in fact, I remember as I was growing up and leaving high school, Laddie was still with us. So wow. it was a long relationship and it really did create a lot of mm, feeling of comfort being around Laddie. Oh, yeah. And when you say you were born with, you know, this intuition, which I think really we all have it. It's just some, it's more developed than others, but you had yes. it from a very young age. So, Yes, um, I agree. I agree with you though. Everyone has, I mean, we're all born this way. Um, and then school or society usually trains us out of it. But I think probably because I lived in the woods, seriously in the woods in upstate New York until I was 17, and really, there was not much around. If we had a <laughs> one car would go by on our road, we'd all run out to wave at it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is upstate. <laughs> That's upstate. So I was sort of forced into this. I was immersed into the world of animals and trees and nature and bugs and all kinds of things. That's kind of how it started. I didn't, of course, at, the, at that time know much about it, but I started getting, uh, let's say, messages from, let's say, an unknown source. Uh, I would know early on that someone was going to die. Um, that would be a knowing of not an animal per se, but of humans around me when I was young. Interesting. So you... Um... It's kind of like what people refer to as ESP, but you you would actually know it was going to happen ahead of time? Yeah. I was clairvoyant as well. You know, there's a lot of words to describe different aspects of it, but uh, yeah, clairvoyant would be, I would feel uncomfortable. I would feel uncomfortable in my body, my solar plexus, and then um, I would start to get the impression of a person or a situation like my mother's friend, Nellie. Uh, Nellie and my mother were best friends when I was growing up. And if we fast forward uh, some years later uh, to um, my early 20s, I kept, I was married by then and I had kids, but I also had clairvoyance or psychic abilities that I didn't actually know what I was doing. And um, I kept I kept mentioning to my husband at the time, we have to go visit Nellie and and Red, and he would say, "Well, those are your mother's friends. Why would we? I don't want to go do that." Well, I don't know. I just kept getting this sense in my solar plexus that something for some unknown reason um, had to go. 
So one Saturday, we got a babysitter and we went, got in the car and found Nellie and Red in their new house. She welcomed us in her home and open with open arms, and we had this wonderful time. Now, I should say, when I when I was young, and mom and my mom and Nellie were friends. Nellie didn't like kids very well. She was not a kid person. But as we spent the day together, I noticed that this tightness in my solar plexus started to ease up a little bit. Two days later, I got a call from, Nell, uh, not Nellie, but Nellie's daughter, and she said, I want you to know my mother's in um, the hospital. And I said, really, what happened? She said, well, she, after you left, she fell on a reed in the backyard. Uh, upstate New York is famous for, you know, their hollow reeds. Oh. And within two days, she developed lockjaw, and she died the next day. Wow, that's... I'm sorry yeah. to hear that, but that's incredible. It was. That. Yeah. So that's when I began to realize something was going on with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you were in your 20s, you said? Early, early 20s, yeah. Things happened before that, too, of course, but that one was very obvious. That so at what point did you then decide to start, you know, doing this as a career? Or how did you Gosh. know what was happening first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to avoid it, let's put it that way, for a number of years. Like, I don't want to know any of this stuff. I'm just going to go get a regular job and be a regular person. And um, I actually did that. And at the, uh, again, if we say fast forward again, I was busy raising kids and working for a number of years and having these experiences off and on. But it wasn't until I was uh, about 39, actually. Um, I was, I got uh, my own pet after all that. Uh, and her name was Athena. So my cat Athena welcomed me to the world of animal communication, or, or probably I wouldn't be doing it today. I see. <laughs> and then 10 years after that, I took formal training, uh, animal communication training with Penelope Smith, who was one of, they call her the godmother of animal communications. She, oh. was, she was one of the few brave souls that opened the door for the rest of us. Where, wow. Where was she located? She lived in Point Reyes. And um, I, by then I lived not in upstate, but I lived in um, Sacramento area. And I went to through three levels of her training because I was still, even after 10 years of doing this on my own, I was still not completely convinced <laughs> that intuition was really true. So when I took her, her training, she said, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, basically, go, go forth and prosper. Go do your work. You're ready. <laughs> wow. And, and I know you trained with, you took a workshop with Anna. What's her last name? Anna Breitenbach. In, uh, she's from South Africa, and she's world famous for her animal intuitive work. She's fabulous, too. Nice. So you got formal training, and... Um, but tell us about Athena. How did, how did Athena open this door for you? Well, at this time, I was a food sales rep, a food broker sales rep for a 
a lovely company in the Bay Area, but I lived in Sacramento. And I truly loved the job. And it was it's like I found my niche in the, the quote, real world, you know? And, uh, and I was feeling very mm, abundant. And this situation came up where this beautiful cat came into my life. And I hadn't had an animal of my own since childhood, since Laddie. So I fell in love with this cat. She fell in love with me. And I uh, would come home from work and pet her. And she started, as I would pet her, she would turn around and attack my hands, you know, bite, scratch. And, and it seemed to be getting more serious. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck is wrong with this cat? And, and I heard this voice in my head that I used to hear when I was young. She's trying to communicate with you. And I thought, oh, no way. I am not entering the world of intuitive work. Uh-uh. I'm a food broker rep. I'm not going there. <laughs> and then I heard, oh, well, then I got bit some more, actually. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I give up. So I sat on the, I was not a regular meditator. I didn't want to open up that door. But this Saturday morning, I was sitting on the bed going back into meditation after a long time of, a, of not doing so. And I felt someone staring at me. I opened my eyes, and there was Athena looking dead straight in my eyes. And I had this chilling feeling that she might attack me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then, uh, then I heard, no, no, she's trying to communicate with you. At which point I felt that tug on my solar plexus that I used to feel when something was up. And I felt as if, oh, how to describe, I felt like I jumped in her body or merged with her body. Sounds a little strange in this day and time, but I was aware that I was sitting there staring at the cat. And I also felt I had... I call it stepping into their paws. I had an experience <laughs> stepping into her paws. And for a brief time, I felt what Athena felt like as this cat from the inside out. Inside, she seemed like an amazingly calm, centered uh, guru of some sort, you know? Interesting. And I thought, oh my God, well, I'm here. I'm going to look around. And there was nothing in except energy or just plain open space in her periphery. But what I heard from her was, I'm your teacher, if you're willing to learn. Ooh. Well, by then I thought I'd for sure gone round the bend, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, what's going on? And I had the presence of mind to say, but why do you bite me? And she conveyed to me through pictures and feelings, mostly, you're not grounded. You're not in your body. Well, what that, at the time, a little light bulb went off. It was how I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off, in and out and doing all this stuff. After all, I was a mom of four kids at one time. You know how to juggle stuff, right? Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> and so at that point, I started to get worried. How do I get back? And I felt myself pop back into my own awareness, my own body, <laughs> and 
And I looked at the cat and she gave me one of those, I told you so looks. <laughs> Interesting. So that was your first experience. Now, when you do sessions now, are you stepping into the pause every time or are they also just giving you pictures and feelings? Both, actually. Both. Both. I often, uh, I like stepping into their pause. I really like it. I've gotten used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you must be different. <laughs> I momentarily feel like them. <laughs> At the same time, I have awareness of myself and my higher power. I so see. It's not just being the kitty cat or the dog or the snake or the horse. Yes. So how about the becoming a Reiki master? Did that happen after the animal intuitive uh, certifications? Um, before. I oh, took Reiki. Before. Yeah, it was uh, 1983. Uh, I took certification in 94, I believe. So I fell in love with Reiki, actually. So you were doing that while you were a food broker? Yes, I was. Uh -huh. See, okay, so you already were introduced to the energy healing realm and knew about Reiki and decided to become a Reiki master before even considering doing that as a career. That's right, yes. That came later. I became a Reiki master in 1989, and at that time I was... I decided to devote myself 100% to the healing work. So I gave up working for a food broker and uh, became a Reiki teacher. And really, truly, from the time I got Athena and also through the Reiki master journey, I was working with animals on my own solo before I took Penelope's work. So really, I have ten, had 10 years of practice. <laughs> Before wow. the sort of the workshops, yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. So, um, so now years later, you <laughs> you do um, animal intuitive work, and tell us about some of the things that you um, can help with. You know, with, with pet owners that come to you, and you have sessions with them. What what is it? Tell us about some things you're helping them with. Well, I sure would love to do that now. Um, Donna, thank you. Um, I'm thinking of these two little dogs. The situation in this family, uh, I should also mention I work by phone or Skype. I don't mean Skype. I mean Zoom or uh, phone. Okay, so it's not just for people in your town. You can do any of this work remotely. Yes, okay. and even through email, even through email if necessary, that, because it's basically energy work. And uh, I had a client, oh, like three months ago, this one comes into mind. She, she has two little dogs, and she and her family have two little dogs, and they had a boxer come into their home that belonged to her son. And the two little feisty little uh, long-haired chihuahuas were mean to Rowdy. They'd see him, they'd bark at him and try to bite him. And him being a gentle giant, he would just go and cower someplace or try to get away from the little, uh, the owner calls them the mean girls. <laughs> 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 and so I did a session in person. The first session, we've done about three sessions so far. You know, 
not everything gets cleared up in one session. It, it, at times, most often, if it's a behavior thing, it's going to take a few, right? <laughs> That's right. So the first time, though, um, there was two issues. One was the bar barking every time the doorbell rang. That was really getting on the nerves of the family members. And thing they were doing with Rowdy, the mean girl routine. <laughs> so what we did for the first session is I had the family, the husband and wife, take them out with me on leash, just like Caesar Milan. And Sophie would pretend, well, I don't know, she, she, she was pretending that she was going to have a heart attack if you made her walk. <laughs> <laughs> She'd breathe, breathe heavy until somebody picked her up. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, Savannah, she would just try to, you know, copy her boss, her boss girl, and um, just be uncooperative. So uh, we did some behavior stuff as well as, while I was working with them, I was also working with them with Reiki on the walk and giving the people, the adult parents, cues on what to do and how to do it to get these girls from their <laughs> behaviors that were not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and they did not like it. I can announce that right now. The girls were like, oh, let's get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like you. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> and um but by the time we finished um she did have to walk she did stop her panting behavior and we made some forward movement it was wonderful to see um they they were behaving much better according to the owners after that session the next thing they wanted to tackle especially the wife she wanted to uh, she didn't actually mention it. I, I said, you know, before we did a phone session next, and I said, you know, I'm feeling a lot of sadness from Rowdy because he's not allowed into the bedroom, is he? And she said, well, no, he's not. But girls go nuts when he comes in the bedroom. I said, well, that's got to change. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, go get the leads, put the leads on, and we're going to do some inner work together. And you're going to be tough mama love, and they're going to have to deal with you. And so I coached her on how to basically train these two and stop being bossy and bullies. They were really bullying that poor dog. And when, um, I won't go into detail, take too long. But however, it was through me doing intuitive work with those two little girls and Telling Rowdy, you're going to be okay. I'm going to make sure of it. I'm your ally over here. Uh, the next step after we got them, when the owner reported to me they were now quiet and docile, I had her bring Rowdy into the bedroom and correct Sophie and Savannah the minute they acted out. And it it was a miracle. My, my client calls me almost weekly and says, do you know what? There is peace in the valley. And I, she said, I never would have known it, what, what stress that was until we did this session. Exactly. I, I, that's, you got that message that 
making Rowdy sad. And I remember you telling another story about a cat where the owner was paying too much attention to the cat and she actually didn't want that. And I can't remember who that was, but when, when the owner finally learned that and she backed off a bit, um, then the cat was happy again. Do you remember which one that was? Um, not specifically, but I do remember, um, I do remember the story about it because the cat was feeling smothered by the owner. Yes. <laughs> so there you were able to tell the owner what what was going on with the cat and then yes. which was leading to behavioral issues that's well, right <laughs> well i have to share with everyone that i've had experience with you myself with our dog mm -hmm. izzy mm -hmm. and izzy was just fearful from day one and i think she learned a lot of that from a uh well first of all from being in a poor litter environment and when she was in the womb of her mother, there was some trauma that was going on at that time. That's what you had picked up from. That's, the, that's right. Mm -hmm. And also we had another terrier chihuahua mix that was terribly fearful. So she was learning how to be a dog from this other little dog. Yes. But the problem is the little dog would just run and hide, but Izzy... Well, he barked, but the minute you approached him, he'd just run and hide. He, but Izzy is a 70-pound shepherd, <laughs> and she <laughs> would start barking and, and appear very vicious. So we really couldn't have people over. And after just a few sessions of working with you, you were able to you know, tell her that it was okay, and you worked with both, both dogs. I remember now the little mm -hmm. one since has passed away, and that has helped a lot since then. But I didn't tell you, Barbara, that just this week, we had several family members over, and um, at first she barked when they came up, and she sounded horribly vicious, um, <laughs> but I gave my sister and her partner some treats, and they were giving Izzy treats, and pretty soon we had her off the leash, and she was wandering around in the living room with everybody, and it, it was like a normal dog. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. I know. And and then the one she was scared of was my niece because she really hasn't met her much. But it didn't take long. We just all ignored her and uh -huh. let her be. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then she just became part of the family. And, yeah, it was amazing. I, oh. It's a totally different dog. So, oh my yeah, goodness. I want to thank you for that help that you gave us. Oh, thank you, my dear. It's my... <laughs> It's my, it's my love. It's my heart work. I, I'm crazy about working with animals. It's so gratifying and rewarding. That's and, and to see a happy outcome for the whole family, because if anyone in the family is, it's out of order, everybody feels it, right? Exactly. You know, as a pet is the part of the family and yeah, if the pet is misbehaved or unhappy, it's going to affect everyone else. That's right. I'm so glad. it's interesting how you were doing, you were learning to become a Reiki master. Then you went on to teach Reiki. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that was kind of happening in parallel with Athena and learning that you could talk to animals. And so it's interesting now that those two things have come full circle because I know you actually give Reiki to animals as well. Absolutely. You did that with Izzy and Teddy of ours. So talk a little bit about how the Reiki helps 
with the animals as well as just communicating with them. Sure. It, it makes a huge difference, uh, I think, to um, take Reiki training with someone because, especially if you have animals, um, because here's how I see it. This is a, a God-loving energy. It's a form of it. There are many forms of healings out there, and this is one of many, but this is the one that I think chose me, or pretty sure it did, because I've been doing it now for since 83. But um, uh, to, to, the Reiki will help with trauma. So like, for example, I'm working with, uh, I was working with a dog named Buddy who was in a dog fighting ring. He was bait in a dog fighting ring. Oh. And he was going to be killed. It was just a matter of time because that's what happens to those dogs that are, the people are betting on who's going to die, right? And uh, it's a terrible thing, but it's, it does exist. Anyway, uh, he got sick, the story I was told by the owner. And um, they tossed him out of the ring. And he was picked up by rescue, and he was um, he was taken in by some really great people, but he had terrible trauma from his early life. So I did an awful lot of Reiki long distance with Buddy, along with the intuitive work, and that dog turned around from being vicious to being a lover of my wow. client. It was beautiful. So Reiki energy, adding that to the mix of animal intuition makes a huge difference in the outcome. Wow, that's great. Nice to hear. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd love to hear, Barbara, and have you share with everyone about the constellation work that you do because it's just so fascinating and, and it's just amazing how it works. So you sit in a circle, as I understand it, and you can mm -hmm. clarify, but you sit in a circle with um, pet owners and their pets, or could be just humans. It doesn't have to be pets. It could be people right. who are having issues maybe with a relative, and that relative doesn't even have to be there. You could put a piece of paper in the circle on the floor with the relative's name on it, for example. But t tell us a little bit of how that works, okay? especially I, with animals. I love this. Work. I love all of these different modalities, but... Family constellation work has been around for a long time. Um, someone named Bert Hellinger made it famous. Um, and I took the training a long time ago. And I was just fascinated because, as, as you said, Donna, uh, maybe you want a person wants to do a, a family constellation. I will just talk about this for a second before we go to the animals. Um, and so... Uh, maybe um, the person in the room had trouble with the loss of their grandmother, for example. The grandmother's long gone, but and you do, you have um, well, you have these felt pads you put on the floor, and that one would be called grandmother who is passed over. And then someone in the room would step onto that uh, piece, the piece of um, felt, actually. And honestly, what was so amazing about it is the minute you stepped onto that, because I did a lot of these, I would, for example, if I were stepping, I was stepping into a situation like that, 
uh, with one constellation, and I just had to lay on the floor because I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so you really embodied sort of the, the spirit of that person. Yeah, and then from there, this amazing healing process takes place. So I went, oh, of course, this could work with animals. So how do we step in their paws? Well, I just put a piece of paper or a piece of felt down, and I uh, say I'm working with Buddy, the dog I talked about, and he's not here in, in person. He was uh, 100 miles away, and I, uh, it depends, you know, and I do groups like this too. But at any rate, uh, as soon as I step on the paper or that spot called Buddy, I feel what Buddy's feeling. And wow. I, I can report that. And not just me, anybody who steps on that. So it's not like I'm so special. We all have this ability. This is what's so exciting. That is so fascinating. So it could also be if you were helping, you know, a woman, let's say, who's having an issue with her aunt and mm -hmm. her aunt maybe lived in another state, but they were having family problems. Um, mm -hmm. You could step into the aunt's shoes by stepping on the felt and, and seeing maybe what the aunt's issues were, why she was unhappy with, with her niece or that kind of thing as well. Absolutely. And they would, although I like to focus it on animals myself at this part, at this stage, because everything's about animals for me right now. But of course, I could do family constellations as well. But it's so true because as I learned, as I went along doing different constellations, you actually get like, for example, a back pain because the person who died had a bad back, you know? Yeah. Wow. Very, That's fascinating. Yeah. Very magical stuff. And where did you learn that work, constellation work? I took the work uh, with... I. I think he, I can't think of his name now, but he was a wonderful instructor, um, actually from Nevada City at the time. This was years ago. A group of us took classes with him. Oh, wow. Awesome. Just in my backyard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we're getting to be up against time, Barb. I know there's so much more we could talk about and just have to do another interview down the road, but can sure. you tell us how people can get in touch with you? What what kind of sessions you can do? You know, how, what does it look like working with you? I know you touched on a, a little bit about virtual versus in person, but uh -huh. you know, what does it look like for somebody with that would like to communicate with their pet or or is having issues with their pet? Right. They, um, how can they get in touch with you, and what would that look like? Well, they could, of course, go to my website, my name, barbaramariano.com, and you can drop me a note through there, or you can call me, 530-277-4904-4904. And we have, uh, so what I have it set up, that we have time to have a chat about what you're calling about. I call it a 30-minute consult. So... That's just a uh, complimentary. There's been, uh, if it looks like we want to work together, you want, and then there's a choice of, you may want to start out with one session or I do a package of three hours. If it's an issue like Izzy, for example, or the two little mean girls, it was more than one <laughs> session. <laughs> so, 
So, but it's, I think it's, so how it works is, let's say if it's a Zoom call, I, you know, we hook up on Zoom and uh, prior to that though, you send me a picture of your pet and the issues you're having and what you'd like to see happen. Then uh, we do it either an hour at a time or sometimes um, it's not just an hour at a time. After that initial hour, and if someone buys a package of three, I might say, let's set up a training time like I did with the two mean girls. I better quit calling them that. They're going to be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) They're listening in. Um, (laughs) And I set up a 15-minute training session with the owner. This means people might worry, oh, my God, I'm going to use up those three hours. Uh, No, not necessarily. The first one, yeah, that's setting the groundwork, okay? But after that, then we get to be flexible. So sessions could just be half an hour or even 15 minutes, and then that way they can get a lot more. A lot more. Mm -hmm. And I would be coaching them long distance, and it works. Because you know what? Instead of having Cesar Milan come to your house, you're actually doing the work, and I'm on the phone coaching you. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I was fortunate enough to have you close where you could visit my house. But I think we did do one. We did the initial session over the phone. We did. And we did meet at the park once. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Barbara, for sharing your background and some stories of how you've helped animals and their their owners. And I know you work with more than just, you know, dogs and cats, but horses as well. And I invite everyone to go to barbaramariano.com and check out a lot of success stories on her website where you can see how she's helped animals and also you can learn more about Barbara and the work that she does. So thank you once again, Barbara. I appreciate you coming on and it was lovely having you. Thank you, Donna. It's been a true pleasure as usual.